Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Women Arsecast on arsblog.com the best podcast dedicated to the Arsenal women's team because it's the only podcast dedicated solely to the Arsenal women's team. To my knowledge, nobody has challenged me on that yet. If you do have an Arsenal women's podcast, please let me know um, and we'll do what we can to expunge you so that we remain the only (laughs) podcast about the Arsenal women's team. I'm going to introduce uh, my all-star panel uh, once again, um, Pippa Monique, who you you all know and love. Pippa, how are you doing? I'm really good, you know. I mean... Season's coming to an end, so it feels a bit weird, but I'm good. Good to hear. Um, and also on the panel again, we have uh, Alex Ibacheta. Uh, I hope I haven't butchered the pronunciation there. You might remember that Alex was on one of our episodes looking at um, the Champions League quarterfinals. Um, and as I said on Twitter, Alex is going to be a much more regular contributor, and we're absolutely delighted to have her. Uh, Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing really good. Um, I'm really excited to to be on this uh, monthly because, you know, there, I have a lot to talk about when it comes to Arsenal. So there's not the space for it at the moment. So I'm quite excited. Excellent. And I should say as well, first of all, Pippa, you have um, a show, I believe, on BT Sport now. Do you want to tell us about that? Yes, it's so exciting, you know, and it's it's now that I'm seeing the episodes come out, it's slowly starting to sink in. So it's a weekly Saturday morning show. I believe it's aimed at kids, to be honest with you, because it explores like the science, maths, physics and all types of numbers behind sports, all types of sports so like F1, basketball, football, boxing, you name it. And um, we're lucky to have, uh, did I mention, oh, I didn't, it's on BT Sport every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. And we're lucky to have, you know, some big names in the sporting world join us every week. And we try to break a world record, which is quite entertaining every every week. So, yeah, it's a really good show. Amazing stuff. So Saturday morning, 11 a.m. on BT Sport, for those of you in the UK, um, you should know where you should be at Saturday at 11 a.m. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nowadays. Um, and Alex, I should also say that Alex uh, co-presents another uh, podcast about, well, not just the WSL, but about women's football as well. Alex, do you want to tell us a little bit about that and where people can find that? Yeah, so the podcast is called Box Box WSL. Uh, the title can be a bit misleading because we are <laughs> adventuring into a more European scene overall. Um, but basically what we try to do is, is focus on tactical analysis and match analysis and, and lineups and stuff, things that you don't really find on a usual WSL women's football podcast, um, trying to steer away from the superficial talk. Um, so we previewed all the Women's Champions League. We did immediate post-match analysis of all the Champions League using stats, using XG, which can be contradictory, but we did use it in there. And basically, we, we do weekly podcasts on the WSL. And of course, with the international break coming up as well, um, we'll break down a few of those because there's a few tasty matches, particularly the, the Netherlands and the Spain match. I'm really looking forward to that one. 
Yeah, same here. Some some really good, a lot of Arsenal interest actually in some of the international games, Netherlands, Australia um, as well, and Germany, Australia as well with Leonie Meyer. Um, and so you look, you'll see why we were keen to have Alex on the panel as well, because that's, um, and for those of you who perhaps don't have Twitter or don't follow me on Twitter, which you're not obliged to do, um, we want to put out these kind of almost mailbag type episodes monthly so that we're pushing up to having two podcasts about the women's team every month. Um, and, and that's exactly what Alex described in the Box Box podcast, kind of similar to what we want to do here to talk a little bit more um, about the actual football, about the games um, and still use the other podcasts to talk about some of the wider subjects around the women's game. But we were we were keen to do some more audio content on the actual football. So without further ado, we're going to do that. And we've got lots of listener questions lined up for this week, which is absolutely great. But first, there really is only one place to start. Um, when I, we were planning to do these podcasts, I didn't imagine that the first subjects that we'd be talking about would be the news that came out last week about Joe Montemoro um, stepping down as Arsenal manager at the end of the season. The news was very sudden. He told the players on Wednesday morning, Arsenal had a statement out about an hour later. So nobody knew this was coming. No journalist knew this was coming. I didn't know it was coming. So it was a real shock. Um, it was a shock to everyone really, I think. And, and it dropped really suddenly. And Pippa, if I start with you, what was, uh, what was just your, I guess, your emotional reaction um, as much as anything when you saw the news and how surprised were you? I was just a bit confused, if I'm honest with you, because like you said, no one saw it coming. And I think um, I saw the press release first from Arsenal, the statement, and I was just thinking, what's going on here? Like, And then I, there was no time to prepare, and I was obviously busy at the time, and I just couldn't understand what would lead him to that decision, although it's dead in the statement about spending more time with family, which is totally understandable, because since the whole lockdown began, I don't think he... I think only once or maybe twice he was able to see his family over that period with travel restrictions and so forth. But the fact that the players didn't know, it's, it's, it's just uh, not only is it heartbreaking for the players, for the fans as well. I'm sure there's a bit of divide because there was, I don't know if you noticed on social media, there was quite a lot. I'm sure you noticed, to be fair. There was quite a lot of fans that were not optimistic about him staying further beyond this season. Um, and that's what that was my initial reaction. I was thinking, wow, did the fans get into his head and he's not used to this type of toxic type of fan base in, in the women's game or something. So I wasn't completely sure what the reason was, but um, it's going to be different and sad seeing him go. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I'll throw that over to you in a second, Alex. But I mean, in terms of the, the surprise, I mean, it was an unpleasant surprise for me because like it was just the one period of the week where I was actually out. Um, I was at a health center waiting for a blood test. And yeah, I got the email about five minutes before um, yeah. the actual announcement came out. And they said, and that was about half past 12. And they said, there's a so press conference. So was you conference. not there either? I was, yeah. But... Oh, you managed to make it. I couldn't make it. I was, it was literally yeah. the last minute. Yeah, I, I thought I couldn't as well. I was literally waiting in this health center for a blood test. And I was like, mm. right, it's in an hour and a half. I'm not going to get home. Am I going to have a needle in my arm while this is going on? <laughs> But I got there. Fortunately, they called me up at quarter to two. So I literally, I asked the people at my health center if I could patch in to this press conference on my phone, fresh from a blood test. So that's exactly mm. how <laughs> I ended up coming to the press conference. Alex, Dedication. what was, yeah, indeed, indeed. <laughs> um, Alex, what was, what was your reaction to the news? And I guess thrown into that question, do you think it's the right time um, for, for Joe to move on and for someone else to come in? That, that second part is definitely uh, an interesting topic to talk about. But also, 
I, I was, I think I was most shocked at the fact that they <laughs> announced it in the middle of a women's champions league day. Yes. The press was- conference. I was, I mean, I attended the press conference, but I was also working for another publication covering the women's champions league. So mm-hmm. I had Joe on one screen and then I had my TV on watching the women's champions league. And I just, you know, there was, there was a lot of better times to do this than the middle of a second leg of a women's mm-hmm. champions league. So that was my initial reaction. Um, but I think it was a shock. It was just like, it was such a busy day, you know, with, it was Chelsea, Wolfsburg, Barcelona, Man City, huge attention just on that. And then you have probably the biggest news of the season so far, um, just come up randomly and you kind of just have to deal with it. Um, but then, but then looking forward of, of what you said about the route time, you know, as Pippa mentioned, a lot of fans were kind of keen to see Joe out because of kind of the slump that we saw in Arsenal in the middle of the season, but would it be right? Is it the right time? I would, I could have easily seen him stay on for another year, you know, potentially get that Champions League spot, compete in the Champions League and see how, where it goes from there. But at the same time, a year before isn't that big of a difference either. You know, let him secure that last Champions League spot and let someone else take over from the next year to, to kind of keep progressing the team forward. So I think it's an interesting topic. Um, and I think there's no right answer to it because he could have stayed on longer for one more year and then gone on to do his thing. That's what mentioned, you know, it was a lot of personal reasons for that. Yeah. Um, but I think with the club and where he sees the club, I think he's perfectly okay with kind of getting that last hurrah, getting that last Champions League spot and kind of leaving it at that and let someone else take over. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think he's got a good opportunity to end the season on a high, albeit I still think Arsenal's league season is going to come up as quite unsatisfactory. I think he knows that as well. I um, I I asked him uh, when he made the decision and he said he made it in February um, and Arsenal lost to Chelsea and Man City in February. And to me, that Ooh. that's what I think he meant. I think he once he lost that once Arsenal lost those two games, and obviously that's such a big question mark against him. I tend to think he thought, okay, maybe there's it's time to hand this over. Um, I won't come onto it at the moment because we've got a listener question about it. But Arsenal have referred to a structural review. Um, as well that they've been doing since last summer and you know he kind of hinted as well that he thought that not necessarily that he didn't like the direction that it was going in but he thought maybe it was a good time to hand over Pippa what do you think do you think it was do you think it's the right time to hand this over to someone else or would you like to have seen Joe stay I can only talk on things from like a fan perspective, from a, from a viewer's perspective. So I, when he talks about, you know, the, the structure and everything going forward, of course I can under like comprehend what he's saying, but I, I don't look at it from that way. Um, for him, possibly it's the right time. You can see how frustrated he was in post-match um, press conferences after certain losses to other teams in like the top four. And it just wasn't the same Joe that I met the first time I interviewed him. It just wasn't, he didn't have the same character. It didn't seem like he was in, this is all my opinion, of course. It didn't seem like he was enjoying it as much. And so maybe so sometimes when enough is enough, you, you move on and the challenge may be over. Of course, at least he stayed until the end of the season. He could have just packed up when he could have, quote unquote, been fed up. Um, but he's decided to stay till the end of the season, like Alex said, fight for that Champions League spot. I don't know if it's the right time, but... I can't speak for Joe, but but for fans, I, I think there's a big percentage of fans that probably do think it's the right time. Yeah, I I have to say, honestly, and it, it pains me to say it because I like Joe and I get on with Joe. I think everyone gets on with Joe, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very tough not to. 
Um, I do kind of think it's the right time. I do think this season has been disappointing. One of the reasons I'm really disappointed is because I think the squad's really good. Um, mm. I think there is, there's a lot of quality there. I think the balance of the squad is really nice. The age of the squad is really nice. I don't think this is a tough job. I think this is a really attractive job for the next person to come into. I think the club and the squad is in a good state. Ultimately, I'm not sure he had an answer to those questions around the big games and the injuries. Yeah. And those are the yeah. two big, big problems. And I don't know if he's just decided, I, I don't think I've got an answer to these. And I think the successor, I think those are really the only two things that the successor, whoever it is, has to really think about and get right. If they just do everything else and keep everything else, then I still think Arsenal are in a really good position. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, get that Champions League spot, finish on a high, hand over to someone else. And I do think it's it's probably like things have slid a little bit this year, albeit I think there, there are, are some caveats around that. I mean, I, I guess let's let's reflect on some of the good times before we go into the listener questions. Um, Pippa, what's what's your favourite Joe moment? And it and it can be it can be either on the pitch or an interaction you've had with him. What what like what's a really good memory you'll take away? There's a lot, but I remember the first time I asked him a question like this was at Kings Meadow when Arsenal beat Chelsea five 0 and I think I asked him something along the lines of, um, "Do you think you've?" Uh, is this your way of telling Chelsea that you're getting your title back? You know, and obviously it was still early on in the season. So he was just very blase, like, well, we haven't won anything yet. And he was like, I'll leave it to you journalists to make up those type of captions and those type of titles. And he just used to make a joke of the serious questions. Although I felt like deep down, he was confident that Arsenal were going to win the league. He was very just like, mm, I'll leave that for you journalists to put a spin on that. But the title's still there for anyone. He just always was really witty with his, with his responses. Yeah. yeah and, and of course... On the touchline, so animated. He's just coaching every movement, shouting, and I just love it. I love it. I love the uh, the energy that he gives on the touchline. When he's quiet, I'm worried. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. He's. Um, I've always described him as very Australian. Um, you know, he's he's yeah. He he wears his heart on his sleeve. Alex, what about when, you? when he's when he's sat down on the on the sideline with his legs crossed that that's when you know it's gone wrong yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and we have seen a bit of that this season and you yeah. know the crossing himself and things like that which probably not a great sign Alex what's what's a, a big Joe memory you'll take away um I think my my most memorable memory isn't my favorite it was um well it was Tim when when he took me um to my first WCL game as a journalist it was at King's Meadow like Pippa's was um but the scoreline was quite the opposite. Arsenal lost oh. that day. Which um, game was this? It was, I think it was a 2-1 loss yep. off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, and it was, yeah, you know, Joe was obviously really crossed at the end of the, at the, end of the, uh, the match. And me as, as a new little journalist, you know, everyone stayed quiet. Nobody wanted to ask questions. And I was just like, this is my moment to shine. I'm going <laughs> to ask that first question. Um, so I asked him the first question and he gave me a one-worded answer. And I was oh, like, no. yep, I learned my lesson that day. <laughs> um, so that was, you know, and then I, I got to know Joe obviously a lot better. I, unfortunately, you know, I have, I've been here for not that long of a time to be able to interact with him that much. But every time, you know, especially on these Zoom calls, uh, they're so morbid weekly Zoom calls. You know, everyone's kind of getting a bit tired of it. But Joe for some reason just comes on the most cheerful per, um, yeah. cheerful person ever. And he makes it so personal with a lot of people also, which I think makes it 
um, a lot more, it makes it easier for us to, to kind of interact and, and trust to ask harder questions if we need to. Um, you know, he yeah. makes, whenever he's talking to you, he says your names in all his answers. He, um, I think on one Zoom call, he was, I had like a, a weird poster behind me and he's asked, he asked me like, what's that? And then it went on to proceed like, um, like ca- calling out all of people's backgrounds. And it was just like, he makes <laughs> it really enjoyable to be around. And it's kind of a, yeah, it's a big loss um, in terms of, you know, a media aspect of it. Not a lot of coaches wear their hearts on their sleeves like Joe does. He will give you an upfront answer and he won't sugarcoat things if he doesn't want to. Um, mm. So I, I really respect that about him. I just want to chime in on that, in on that because he's so personable. Like he always remembers your name, whether it's a Zoom call. I remember there was a time I was at the training ground and I was there for another reason. He was on the other side. He was like, hey, Pippa. And I was like, oh my God he knows my name like he remembered it like it's not just at the bottom of the screen so yeah really personable really nice guy yeah and 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 that that really really comes out and uh, I I was kind of glad you said Alex there about um it actually enables you to ask difficult questions of him um I know people have said to me and I think understandably I, I completely understand it people have said to me at times oh you're too close to him um you know perhaps to ask hard hitting questions or critical questions but uh, and I understand why people say that. And I've never hidden the fact that I like Joe, even to people who I think justifiably have had issue with his work. But I've I've always felt much more comfortable asking him those tough questions. So like things about injuries, the big game record. And I always trust that he gives me, um, yeah, he like he doesn't dodge those questions at all. Yeah. I don't think he ever really has. Um, so I've I've honestly found it really, really helpful as much as, it's kind of fun for us and that's okay for us. But, you know, when you're putting information out for fans who aren't having a nice time sitting on a Zoom call, having a chat with, with Joe and you're putting that information out, I understand why that it can come across that way. But, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I built up a, a good relationship um, with him over the years. And I, and I do think, I do think overall he's done, he's done a really good job. I do think it's probably the right time um, to move on, but, there we go. Um, and, and who the successor is, is going to be really, really interesting, but we'll come to that in the listener question part. I just wanted to touch on, um, before we go to the listener questions, we should talk about more recent games and a lot of the listener questions, um, you know, talk on this, but five wins on the bounce now, no goals conceded Manchester United. I always suspected that United would fall off in this second uh, half of the season and they, they look a bit tired and they've got a lot of injuries and, and um and I guess Alex, if I come to you first, what what's impressed you the most over this period of games, particularly that Man United game? I think, you know, touching on these Zoom calls, I think I called Arsenal refreshing at one point, and Joey really appreciated that. I think because of that slump that we were talking about, you know, when you lose to Man City, Chelsea back to back, you're kind of you know you have your head down just a little bit, and you know I I told him that it's refreshing. Um, but also, I meant that in the, in the best way possible because it was a, a the type of Arsenal that we've seen in the last five games has been so enjoyable to watch. And we've missed that probably since the beginning of the season, really. When we, when we look back, you know, to a back-to-back Joe Ward hat trick, we didn't see that for a few, maybe a few months, really. Mm. Um, and now they're kind of back, uh, you know, still dealing with injuries. Um, Steph Catley is still out um, you know, Kim Little was out for a little bit. Obviously, Leah Williamson has been struggling. But, you know, the quality that's on display and the way that the players are playing at the moment is so fluid and so 
good to watch. It's, it's Arsenal at their best. It's Joe Montemurro's philosophy at its best. And you're seeing a refreshing type of Arsenal who Jordan Nobbs is playing on the wing. When do you see that? But it's working. It's working because players in the midfield are fluid because players on the wing get to cut back in also because they like that. And it enables, you know, fullbacks like Noel Maritz and Katie McCabe to thrive on the attack. Um, everything is working the way it's supposed to be working for Arsenal right now. And it's really nice to watch. Yeah, definitely. And I've, I've, I really sense there's some momentum there. And, and Pippa, um, I wanted to ask you this question just because we don't have a listener question about it, but I think a uh, lot of woman Moy deserves, um, deserves some love. Um, you know, five games, no goals conceded in that time. She has played, she's been thrown in because Jen Beattie and Leah have been, have been injured, um, nominated for WSL player of the month for March, massive goal against Man U. Um, yes. Lotta Wubben Moy, what, what have you made of her in the last last few games? Absolute class. I feel like she doesn't get enough. Like, we need to shout about her more. Like, you know, just like how everyone speaks about Leah Williams from Arsenal through and through, so is Lottie. Like, you can tell she's an Arsenal girl. She supports Arsenal, like the club as a whole, the men's and the women's team. And you can tell that the way she plays. And I'm just happy for her that it's, it's big shoes to fill coming in, even though she's a professional footballer. It's, she's not the prominent name when you speak of defenders of Arsenal women and the fact that she stepped in got a goal against Man United like you said big header big goal and kept those clean sheets and I'm pretty sure correct me if I'm wrong actually because my memory is a mess yeah it, yeah, it was two different goalkeepers as well having to play out from the back yep. with during those yep. games and she's managed to just keep composure been solid paired up well and I just think it's 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 great start to what's to come for Lottie and yeah. East London as well, so big up. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, Bo's finest, uh, Stoke yes. Newington. Uh, Stoke Newington's Lotta Wobben Moy. Um, so what we'll do now is we'll take a little break here and then we'll come back uh, with your questions right after this. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, welcome back to the Arsenal Women Askcast. And this is the listener questions part. So this is the first time we're doing this kind of mailbag style, but we will do this every month, as we said. Um, I put out a call for questions on my Twitter account. Going forward, we will look at... Um, um, you know, perhaps having other avenues just so people who don't necessarily follow me on Twitter can can see and, and, and ask questions. Um, but we've got a lot anyway, so we've got quite a lot to get through. Um, and the first one uh, comes from 
don't know if that's Yana or Jana. I'm going to say Yana, probably Yana, uh, who is Yana WD underscore on Twitter. And I will throw this to you first, Alex. Do you think Arsenal need a high profile signing like uh, Panilla Harder or Lucy Bronze to close the gap to Chelsea and Man City and send a message? Or more broadly, what positions do you think Arsenal need to strengthen in the summer? That's a really complex question. <laughs> I think I think it's heavily reliable on the coach that comes in. Um, because, you know, the way Joel Montemoro has recruited and the way the players are playing is very Joel Montemoro. Like, that is his style of play. He has the players that he knows is going to thrive under the way that his style of play and, and the way he wants to play. And, you know, obviously, as we mentioned, it, it hasn't been working against Chelsea and Man City as of, you know, recently. And those are the games that you need to win in order to, to be successful in the WSL, unfortunately. But it's a big signing would depend, I think, heavily on the coach. It depends on what they want to do. If they want to get a big signing and create a team around that, that's their choice. But if they want to continue kind of the Joe Montemoral style, the players that they have now, I think the level that they're at is perfect. They're not, you know, they're not the biggest signings in the world, but they're still world-class players. You know, every single one of them is arguably a starter for their national teams. They're really big names. And I think, you know, a signing, for example, like Frenoni Larolfo um, from Wolfsburg would be a big, big um, signing for Arsenal, in my opinion, because I do think that, we perhaps need a bit more of, of a striker reinforcement. You know, Viv is, is irreplaceable and, and there's a lot to do there, but she doesn't have a direct replacement. There's, you know, there is Caitlin Ford who can play centrally, um, but Caitlin Ford has been thriving really well on the wings uh, for Arsenal in particular. So, you know, having a striker that can come in, give Viv a rest once in a while, and especially for the Champions League, you know, Chelsea and Man City have displayed that you really do need depth to go far in that tournament. And to have a player as, you know, as good as Fridoni Lalorfo is would be a huge, huge shining for Arsenal. I think, I think that would be my, my target. You know, Ingrid Engen is also another Wolfsburg player who's on a lot of people's radars, but I think um, it, it would be hard for her to slot into that Arsenal midfield considering the talent that there is now. Yeah, Ingrid, because she plays the same position as Leo Volti and, and Marlin Gutt. So I, I, I agree with you, Rolfo, Swedish winger, who is going to leave Wolfsburg at the end of the season. I think there'll be quite a big bun fight for her. Um, and I do think it's a position that Arsenal, you know, might look at um, one of those wide attacking roles. Um, in terms of like a marquee signing, I don't know what you think, Pippa. I, I'm not as... It kind of depends what happens with Vivian Miedema, and we do have questions about this because while Arsenal have Vivian Miedema, they have, in my opinion, the marquee player um, and you know one of the best players in the world. If they were to lose Viv, then um, it's a question of how Arsenal would go about replacing her. Would they go for that? Like, would they try and go for someone of, of close billing or would they try and sign two or three players? What, what are your views on Arsenal signing, I guess, a marquee player to send a message versus what they've probably been doing um, mm. and, and kind of, um, yeah, just looking at, looking at maybe players who are slightly more under the radar and building that way? Oh, see, I had a thought about this in January when there was the rumour that Vivian could be leaving either in January at the end of the season. 
Um, and it's going to sound quite controversial to be honest with you. I'm not sure you two are going to like me after this, but we'll find <laughs> out. Um, I had this thought because there was this, I don't know if you remember, there was speculation that Viv could go to Leon if Arsenal don't qualify for Champions League football. And I thought to myself, you know, this, this brand new Sky Sports deal that, you know, everyone here in England will be having to watch regular WSL football with BBC. And there's a name that's kind of just gone under the radars now because she's not really in the mix of the English media and that's Nikita Paris. And I thought to myself, what if that did happen? It was kind of like some swap where, you know, she is a talented forward as well that doesn't really get much mentioned these days because like I said, she's not really part of the English media's, there's just not, just not nothing to talk about at the moment. Um, so I don't know how people would feel about that, but obviously I have no idea if that would happen. But I have this weird feeling that even though, I'm not sure how quite long uh, Nikita has, but I have this weird feeling that surely growing up in the UK, you would love to get back into WSL at a time like this. Um, and there's not many clubs that Nikita could go to. I don't know if there's space for her back at Man City right now or Chelsea. So an option is Arsenal. I think that's that's a really good shout, actually. I think you're right that Chelsea and Man City, with, with what they've got, probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have room for her. Um, and, you know, if Viv was to go, then using her as, as a bargaining chip to get a player from someone like Leon probably not the worst idea since mm. we're on the subject a few people have asked about the contracts of both Vivian Miedema and Leah Williamson so let me shout them all out first first we've got Phil Fort who is uh, at Phil number 40 1886 do you think the chances that Leah and Viv sign new contracts are high is it mainly dependent on Champions League qualification um, and then we have just scrolling through here um, yep, uh, Srinath Morali, uh, Sri the Guna. What do the con- what are the contrast situations of Leah and Viv look like? Any news on extensions? Um, and then there's also Maddie, who is at Mad M A D E Linky Eleven on Twitter. Do you think Joe's decision to leave will impact on whether someone like Leah Williamson chooses to stay? She's spoken about him being the best manager she's ever worked with. Um, before I throw this over, why don't I, I kind of field that a little bit? So with Viv, um, I don't know the ins and outs of the contract situation absolutely intimately. I know it remains unsigned. Um, and I, I'm not sure whether Champions League football is the absolute kicker. If Arsenal don't qualify for the Champions League, I think we should fully expect that a player of her quality would want to leave. And I think justifiably so. She has her contract runs till 2022. Whether she signs a new one, I think will be entirely dependent on whether she thinks that Arsenal will be in a position to win the Champions League in the next three to four years because she's 24 now. Let's say she signs another three-year deal. That takes her to 27. A player like Vivian Miedema should not get to the age of 27 without winning the Champions League. And so it will be down to Arsenal to convince her I have to say, and this is not based on privileged information, I'm not optimistic that she'll sign a new deal. I think the first victory would be for her to stay for next season. Um, I think there are clauses in the contract that that would make a move to another WSL club difficult this summer, but obviously she'd be a free agent next summer. So Arsenal might have a decision to make about whether they choose to cash in versus keeping her for another year. That's my feeling on that one. On Leah... I, I don't know if the situation with Joe changes anything. I was told a few weeks ago that was most likely to be done. Um, so, but but I, I don't know if that's 
if anything has changed there. And obviously that's slightly more urgent because her contract runs out in the summer. So that that's, I guess, based on the information I have. Um, Alex, what, what, what do you reckon? Let's, let's talk about Viv here. Is your feeling that she'll stay? It's not a good feeling that I have <laughs> towards Viv staying. I think because, you know, I think you, you hit it on the nail there, um, Tim. I think it's really dependent on Champions League. You know, a, a team like Arsenal, a team like um, a player like Viv, well, she is a team basically because she, you know, she can do anything. But a player of Viv's caliber, you know, you can't have her sitting out of the Champions League. It's just, it's, that's a disaster pretty much. Um, you, you can't, and if Arsenal don't, you know, if Arsenal don't take that next step to be better than they have this season in particular, you know, a player like Viv doesn't deserve to be on a team who, who can't take her uh, kind of quality and like take advantage of the quality and, and take the team higher because of that quality, if that makes sense. I have no idea mm. if that made sense, but kind of just, you know, she is such a good player that she needs to be on the biggest stage possible. Mm. She needs to be winning that Champions League. She needs to be on a team who can consistently perform, you know, feed her the balls to score, let her have seven, eight goals and every so often and let her play that free role that she likes to play. You know, we do know that she likes to drop into the midfield. So if she's going to go somewhere, I think she also, I think that's a big aspect for Viv mm-hmm. is that she doesn't like to be constrained. So if she were to leave, it would need to be a team that would accommodate to that. And they're not just going to use her as that central number nine striker who never drops past the penalty box, for example. You know, I think that it, that's going to be very telling of, of the team that she goes to. And, you know, when we talk about WSL teams, maybe throw in a question to both of you. Like, do you see Viv signing for another WSL team outside of Arsenal? Do you think if she leaves, it would have to be outside the WSL? What do you reckon, Pippa? My initial reaction is a team outside of the WSL. I don't know why. I just can't, I can't see her going to any other team. And if I did, it would probably be somewhere like, Man United, maybe, because that's where there's a little bit of space, I guess. But I'm sure any team would have her, to be fair. Any team would have her. I mean, I mean, Chelsea, Chelsea probably aren't looking for another forward um, at this stage. I mean, Man City would make me nervous, to be honest, because they need a centre forward, I think, badly. In fact, I think the fact they didn't sign one last summer might cost them the league title. Um, They will definitely be in the market for one. like I said, I don't see that happening this summer. I don't think Arsenal would let that happen. I'm not sure the contract allows that to happen. But in 2022, Arsenal wouldn't be what Arsenal want wouldn't be a factor anymore. So um, that I, I admit that makes me nervous. Maybe Man United makes me nervous as well if they um, up, you know. And she's talked about the WSL being being a really really great league. But we know she's played in Germany before, and she was perfectly settled in Germany. Um, someone like PSG challenging Leon. I think Alex is right. The style of play is absolutely important to her. Um, and that's one of the reasons she signed her last contract to Arsenal, which was a new deal because of the way Arsenal play under Joe. Um, yeah. But that that that's one to keep an eye on. I, I will be really happy if she's here next season, um, put it that way. And then I'll kind of worry about the contract after that. Um, but we'll see. 
Okay, so that's enough discussion about Viv's contract because, frankly, it's it's slightly depressing, <laughs> if I'm completely honest. Um, but we have got other questions um, as well. And this one from KP on Twitter, who is at uh, KPUNJ15. Should we worry about the investment the club would make to further the women's team if the men's team fails to make Europe altogether next season. This is based on Vinay's hints of focus on the women's side, but will that be diluted by the situation of the men? Um, Pippa, what do you reckon on that? Is that something is that something you worry about, put it that way? I feel so stupid because I never even gave that a thought. And as, as you was reading that out, I was thinking, wow, that could be so detrimental to the women's team. And that probably makes sense why Vinay said that. But for some reason, it never crossed my mind. I've been so stressed with the men's team that, you know, I try to separate the two all the time and not let it drift into each other. Um, so, yeah, not qualifying for Europe, which is clearly not going to happen. But the men obviously are still in the chance with winning the Europa League. And those funds are really important for the club as a whole. So, wait, what was the question? I've been rattled by this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> would you know not getting into Europe which would obviously hit the bottom line for the men's team in a year where their bottom line's been hit quite a lot um impact on the investment in the women's team and is it something we should worry about yes to answer the question yes we should be worried because now I'm literally worried all of a sudden now <laughs> and I don't know why I didn't give that thought before sweating um, now. <laughs> yeah like <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this this question's coming quite timely because Chelsea's accounts um, have have kind of come out today, and they I think they make four point two million pounds available on the men's side to the women's team. Arsenal's accounts for this year aren't out yet, but it's usually three million that Arsenal make available. So there is a gap there, and I personally it is something I worry about. Yes, um, if Arsenal men are not in Europe next year about I don't think that that level will go down I don't think it ever will it's a question of how much it goes up um, that's yeah. going to be the question um, I imagine that's going to be a question asked by a potential new manager um, as well so maybe hopefully that might force their hand a little bit if they have a manager that says I'm interested in the job but only if you up that by like you know five hundred thousand pounds or whatever it might force their hand um, but there we go. Alex, I'm going to ask, like, a, there's a similar question on this, um, if I can just find it, about um, we've referred a couple of times to um, the review that Arsenal, uh, the, the kind of strategic review that, that Vinay uh, referred to when he was talking about the process for, um, for, uh, for replacing Joe. So, yeah, I found it. Um, at Stephen underscore Niven on Twitter. Do you take Vinay's comments about taking a thorough review of the women's team with a pinch of salt, or do you think certain improvements could be made? Um, if so, are there any in particular you'd like to see? I, I, I can say that that review has been going on since last summer. So it's not, it's not like a reaction um, to the Joe thing. It is something that's been going on for a while. Um, so what, what do you reckon, uh, Alex, about this review? And is there, what, I guess, what would you like to see come out of it? I think it will be a, a balance of, of taking it with a pinch of salt and kind of expecting something to change um, because it has been going on for so long now. You know, you probably do need time for these reviews, but at the same time, do you really need that much time if, if the reasoning for these reviews is to take action and, and to change something? You know, things could have changed from last summer, maybe even mid-season, um, for example. But, you know, it's, I think, Tim, you kind of mentioned there that it's really dependent on the new manager as well. 
Mm. You know, is Arsenal going to go get a manager that's going to be okay with settling for a certain standard that they're providing? Or is, are they going to go for a manager who has these big ambitions and ask for more and ask for, for demanding more from the club to, to give that new manager a, a platform to potentially get that big signing that they want, for example? Yeah, yeah. I I made some lines of inquiry about this a couple of months ago, um, about the, the kind of strategic review. And obviously, Arsenal are understandably being uh, a little bit cagey about it, but completely reading between the lines, none of these words were used. I, I suspect there's going to be another appointment um, that's going to be a little bit like a technical director. Chelsea made a similar appointment um, earlier in the season, um, and, and and I think we might see that. And so whether that changes Claire Wheatley's role uh, as head of women's football, which is, I think, largely an administrative role, or whether they bring in someone who's really going to work with the manager on things like contracts, transfers, things like that. I think Joe hinted at something like that in his press conference when he talked about the strategic review and he hinted that that maybe the the role of manager might change and whether that's to work with someone like that. So that's my guess based on a conversation I had, but but it is just a guess. Um, so why don't we move on to um, another question or a question that several people have asked. So I'll shout them all out. Uh, first of all, Belinda at Belinda underscore AWFC. Um, also, uh, Suz at Speedbug007 on Twitter. Um, and Giggy Choi at underscore Giggy, at Giggy underscore Choi. They're all asking, and as well as uh, Leont- Leontine Dawn uh, as well, have all asked about the new manager um, and who you'd like to see as the new manager. Personally, I, have, I haven't really got a clue. Um, Pippa, what do you rate? I, I guess let's, let's talk about some of the people who, who have been talked about, and we don't know if they're in the frame, but people like Jane Ludlow and Jill Ellis, um, you know, do do, do you have do you have any because th- to be honest I don't, I really don't but do you have any thoughts yeah. on who you think it will be? Those those were the only two names that came to mind. Jane was the first, obviously having known Arsenal while playing there for was it twelve or thirteen years or something like that. But I don't know how well she's done as Wales manager, and I believe she's available now, so it, it kind of makes sense. Uh, Jill Ellis as well, st- absolutely outstanding. But it's like those are the only two names we could think of because, like I said earlier on when a lot of fans were calling for Joe to leave, I kept asking like, who do you want to replace him? Because it's not like in the men's game where you just know of all these managers from abroad and from different teams, and you know, their availability and you can just list off names that we don't know the availability, availability in the women's game and who can just step in to such a big job like that. So I have no idea, but if we're going on sentimental value, which we shouldn't, you, you, I guess you would say Jane or, or even Jill to be fair, but is that enough reason to give them the job at Arsenal? Yeah, I, I I think there are some bear traps in this process um, in, in kind of identifying a new manager. I'd love another Joe type appointment, which I didn't see coming, but was a really, really yeah. good fit. Alex, what, what would you reckon on someone like... Uh, so let me put my cards on the table. I'd be very worried if Arsenal appointed Jill Ellis. I don't actually think she's that good a coach. I think she had a great backroom team, a brilliant team. I think a lot of those players hate her as well, quite frankly. And I think that would be a really unimaginative appointment. It would probably be a very expensive appointment. I'd be really worried if we did it. What What do you reckon about Jill Ellis? I completely agree with you, to be honest. I'm not 
I, you know, obviously the U.S. women's national team has been the most successful like women's national team in the history of women's football. But it is how much was down to Joe Ellis. You know, she has the money that the U.S. have. Every single aspect of the game is covered by someone individually, whether it be the, the analytics, whether it be scouting, whether it be the fitness, the nutrition, every single bit is covered. So how much it was that down to Joe Ellis, sort of say, and, you know, Tim, it is true. I, you know, when she was, when it was announced that she was leaving the U.S., the player messages that she got compared to when Vlatko uh, was announced as a new coach were completely, you know, the opposite ends of the spectrum. Vlatko, everyone loves Vlatko. They were all like, I'm so happy I worked with him before. Um, it's, it's, they kind of hinted that it was a fresh start for the U.S. Women's National Team. And I don't really you know, apart from that, you know, the style that the U.S. women's national team have and the style that Arsenal have are also very different. Um, would Joe Ellis come and, and be this, be able to manage a, such a fluid team like Arsenal? Would she be able to manage someone like Viv Miedema who doesn't like to play that central, you know, striker role, who likes to float in the midfield? And, and apart from, you know, the other names that I kind of, I'm just going to throw in names here. As, as you know, probably a lot of names that aren't really being thought of. But for example, you know, Matt Beard obviously is only temporarily at, at Bristol City. You know, what's going to happen after? Who knows? Carla Ward at Birmingham City. If they go down, will she stay there? Um, and obviously, you know, every coach has praise for, for Carla Ward at the moment. And what can she do with a better team, with better money, with, with better players, for example? Um, and then, you know, obviously Jane Ludlow as well. And then Stephen Lurch um, from Wolfsburg is obviously a big shout. Um, but there is, you know, there is not rumors, but there is speculation that he doesn't want to leave Germany at the moment. Um, so it seems a bit unlikely that he would come settle in England. Um, but, you know, there is a lot of names. And I, I honestly don't have any idea of what Arsenal are thinking in terms of this appointment. No, neither do I. And, and the fact they've thrown it open for applications, which, which I should say is quite normal. Um, the, the lionesses, um, Pippa putting her hand up there, kind of no, because, preparing a CV. Yeah, <laughs> no, because, no, no, I literally just remembered there was a hilarious, well, not hilarious, but a funny one. And I'm sure you can guess who said it. I think he said it anyway. Um, they said, because, you know, we're talking about the growth of the women's game all the time. Um, this was a couple of months ago. A friend of mine, I won't mention their name, said, wouldn't they be funny? <laughs> if Arsene Wenger was the manager of the women's football team to say he's come back to the Arsenal, but as the women's football coach, I was like, it's never going to happen. Never. The biggest plot twist of history. Literally. <laughs> that just, I just reminded me that was funny. I don't know how I'd cope with um, Zoom press conferences <laughs> with Arsene Wenger. <laughs> to be honest, that would be, that would be Stop really, talking. really weird. Um, Pippa, I'll, I'll stay with you um, on this question, which is from Clive Bunting at underscore Clive Bunting on Twitter. Uh, this season, we're going to end up behind Chelsea and Manchester City in the league. How do we bridge that gap next season? Uh, which areas on and off the field would you like to see improved? Oh, I don't know, because we haven't. The team all round is a very good team. We have a great midfield. And I think it's just that we've been a bit unfortunate with a couple of injuries at really key times. The defense was, do you know what it was? The goal there was a lot of goalkeeping errors, goalkeeping errors at the beginning of the season when we had those big games. Um, but we've brought in reinforcement. Lydia's in there now. I guess you would say squad depth. I think that's mm -hmm. been the main thing, isn't it? Like having that because when you look at the other teams who you mentioned who were going to be behind, 
you look at their bench, they've got players that can come off the be- bench. Man City's got Rose Lavelle and then Chelsea's got a whole squad on their bench. Mm. You know, they've got a whole first team on their bench. So we need that as well. Because last week, forgive me, I don't remember her name, or two weeks ago, it's great. There was a 16-year-old on the bench. It's great for her. But it's like, I didn't know who she was, you know? I looked at the the team sheet. I was like, oh, who's that? You know, I had to wait until they said, yeah, we've got one of our uh, youngsters that are making her first senior appearance. Yeah, I, I think um, a little bit more. To, and, and some of it's because I think Katie McCabe and Lisa Evans were going to be used more as wingers but because of injuries. Yeah. They've gone into into fullback um, this season. I, our bench is often very defender heavy, even at the moment. You look at it and yeah. it's it's full of centre-backs and full-backs. Um, Alex, I'm going to throw this one over to you. Um, and you've suggested one player already, but uh, this is from Keith Monaghan um, on Twitter, at Keith Monaghan. Will the new broadcast deal bring more money into English clubs for contracts and transfers? I think we can take it as read that it will, yes. And are there any players from abroad you'd want to Arsenal next season? So you've mentioned Rolfo uh, from Wolfsburg. Uh, anyone else that you've got your beady little eye on that you'd love to see at Arsenal? Uh, there's there's none that come directly at the moment. You know, um, I think there's a lot of young talent in Spain. Um, I think Spain yeah. is, is a really big place to be you know on obviously proved how good she is in the WSL coming from Spain you know she grew up in La Masia in Barcelona um, as did you know a lot of these players in Spain grew up together and they played together so they all have pretty much the same style of play so wherever you look you're going to get the same profile of player source so you know obviously there is better players that that have more minutes that have more experience because they play at Barcelona um, at Atletico Madrid for example but then you have these players that are outside, you know, the top two, top four teams at the moment. And they have the same skills. They have the same mm. style of play where they blend in really well. And I think what's interesting is that the way Arsenal are playing at the moment kind of mimics really closely how the Spanish play, yeah. um, especially Barcelona. You know, it is that possession style of play with fluidity and movement. We saw that against Man City. You know, Barcelona's possession is ridiculous. Their movement their winger is, you know, Jordan Nobbs, basically, you know, she comes into the middle and then goes out to the other wing and you get constant switches and you get the fullbacks coming in. Uh, you know, it, it's constant progress. So I think Spain would be a really, really interesting place um, to look at more young talent to kind of mold them into the WSL arsenal. Um, but in terms of big names, I think Rolfo and, and, and again are, are the first two that come to mind, you know, Obviously, Leah Schuller has, has impressed me a lot this season, but I think she's tied down at Bayern Munich for, for quite a few years now. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, Barcelona is kind of the place to, I mean, not Barcelona, I think Spain in general is kind of the place to go when you're looking at new um, and fresh talent. Yeah, I, I think Spain are going to have um, a big um, a big say in the Euros um, next year. I, I, I really do. I, I, I quite fancy them to win it, actually. And you look at Arsenal kind of built off of um, the Dutch players um, quite recently. And I think Spain might be the new Netherlands in terms of that big European power um, as well. I, you know, I, I, I don't really have like, I, I don't watch enough, I think, of, um, of, of leagues uh, abroad to... 
to really kind of uh, to suggest names in terms of signings. But I, I kind of I think Spain is like the next the next place. I think we had Germany, we've had Netherlands. I think it's going to be Spain where a lot of the talents coming out. Um, you know, in, unless in the, in the Euros, I think they're going to impress everybody. You know, the yeah. talent. You know, it's at the moment they are. I think they are kind of the new Netherlands, um, where they have kind of this core group of players that have played together for X amount of time. Um, and then obviously the Spain national team, it has a lot of Barcelona players. So you have essentially the same midfield trio of Alexia Potillas, Patrick Guijarro and Aitana Bonmati, who have been playing together for years and years now. So then Spain kind of emulates everything that's going on in Spain. Um, yeah. Not to sound too repetitive, but I think they will impress. And I think they do go up. I think they do compare really well to the Dutch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Pippa, I'm going to throw this one um, open to you, which is from um, AWFC uh, and San Antonio. Uh, I think that's San Antonio Spurs because there's a basketball emoji after it. Um, should we sign another right winger and move Beth Mead back to centre forward? I mean, it's a good shout. I mean, yeah, I'm, I, we, we need to see more because I feel like in some games, not all, Beth does go missing a little bit on that right wing. But when she's playing really well, she gets the perfect crosses in and, and she's got the pace and she can battle up pre- against pretty much anyone on that wing. But she, she was meant to be a number nine. She said it before herself. And if you was started to follow women's football recently, you would never think that because she's not getting involved in much of the goals. She's not in those prime positions. So yeah, it would be great. But then... We need a lot of players to bring in them because, we've, like you said, we've got Katie McCabe, Lisa Evans sometimes playing in those wings. Well, they're meant to be playing there, but then they've had to go back. So would we need to get more than one winger? Definitely. But I would love to see Beth get more into that central role. Yeah, fair. I, I Actually, I, I really like what Beth brings out wide, particularly in a Joe team, just because I, th- I think she's a little bit different um, to yeah. our other players. But she has, com- like, you're right. Like, she, I think she had 77 goals in 78 games at Sunderland. She was absolutely See? a number nine. So, Crazy. and she, she has, I think, lost a little bit of that, that goal scoring instinct. Yeah. Um, Alex, I'm going to throw this one over to you. And this one's a really tasty question, um, I think, uh, which is from Akram, at Akram HashM1 on Twitter. With everybody fully fit, what would be your ideal Arsenal back for? Oh, no. <laughs> so let's, let's recap the options. At oh. right back, you've got Noel Maritz, Leonie Meyer, Lisa Evans, centre-halves, Jen Beattie, Leah Williamson, Vicky Schneiderbeck, Lotta Wubben-Moy. I guess you have to put Leah Volte in there as well. And then mm-hmm. left back between Steph Catley and Katie McCabe. Oh, God. You know, I'm just going to start by saying that I'm going to push Lisa as an attacker, just to get her out of the equation. Um, uh, Leah Williamson is obviously personalist. That's, that's, that's clear. I I think Jen B is still my favorite center back pairing with Leah. Um, I think Lata is obviously doing really, really well, but Jen B brings that experience, um, which I think is really key when Arsenal play the likes of Man City and Chelsea. Um, right in the air know, as well. Yeah, I think it's it's something that Lata and, and even Leah doesn't have just yet. Um, obviously, the height they're never going to have, but um, the experience and the composure, I think, is really crucial, especially when you're playing against, um, when you're playing with Leah Williamson, who likes to carry the ball forward. 
uh, Gen VE is a solid reinforcement to have behind her to, to kind of cover that space. Um, and I think on the right, uh, Noel Maritz takes the, the contention. I think she's been playing really, really well the last few games, um, especially in that attacking role. And I think, yeah, I think the left is probably the hardest position to, yep. you know, unfortunately, you know, I, I take this opinion knowing how stuffed Catley is as a player because I've been watching her since she's played in the NWSL for Orlando. Um, so I've, I've seen her play for quite a few years now and I know how good she is. But I still, you know, we still haven't seen her in an Arsenal environment. We haven't seen her gel. We haven't seen her how she plays with, you know, with Beth, with Jordan, with, with um Kim Little with, uh, with Viv even. Um, so I think that's a bit hard. You know, Kate McCabe is, has obviously um, made a name for herself um, this season, to say the least, and it's going to be a, a headache for whoever the new manager is to pick between them two. Um, but I think I think Kate McCabe has to win that solely because we don't know how Steph Catley is with the team. Yeah, and, and we were talking about marquee players. I think Steph Catley was the marquee player. Um, last summer. Let me tell you, Leon needed a left back last summer and Steph was their first choice and she came to Arsenal, which kind of shows you the, the esteem that she holds Joe in, but also the um, you know, the, the esteem she's held in in terms of a left back. And then Leon went down their list um to get another left back instead of Steph. Um so that's that that is a real I, I agree, that's a really, really hard question. I really like that question. Um Pippa, Jeremy Bradley, at Jeremy Bradley on Twitter asks, how important do you think uh, playing at least an A grade, the A grade games at the Emirates next season is? Would it reflect our status as a world leading club and help to motivate our leading players whose contracts are due up to stay? I've always thought it's so important to have the, the, the big fixtures at, at the men's stadium. We see it in other teams when they do it in the North London Derby, for, for example, even when fans are not there. To, I hate to bring them up, but, you know, they're, they're still doing it. And Arsenal were meant to be, I know it's kind of difficult to admit whether they are at the moment, but Arsenal were meant to be the pinnacle of English women's football. So you would expect that to be one of the teams to play Arsenal should be playing. Arsenal women should be playing at the Emirates, especially for big games. Whether it's against Arsenal, Chelsea, the big London derby, whether it's the North London derby, even if it's against Manchester United. No matter if it's a big fixture that they want to get lots of eyes on. If the broadcasters are bigging it up for, like you know, they love to do in the men's game when it's literally, let's say it's you know the Manchester derby and it's probably going to be a boring nil-nil draw, but they hype it up for, for, all throughout the week. If they want that same attention for the women's game, they should be putting it in those big stadiums where lots of fans will come and watch, get to know the team a bit more and know what to look forward to and then follow the game to Meadow Park or another big game at the Emirates. It's, it's, it's so important. Yeah, definitely. I, I do think we'll see. I think we'd have seen it this season were it not for the pandemic. I think Spurs yeah. coming into the WSL opens it up because one of the things Arsenal are kind of worried about is lo you effectively lose home advantage in a way because, you know, they know Meadow Park so well. But th they're so much better than Spurs that I think, you know, for a North London derby, they could give up playing at Meadow Park and play at the Emirates and still expect to win. <laughs> but just for bragging rights every Arsenal fans go into that game whether they've even heard of the women's team or not they're going yeah exactly. I think they've also proven it at the Tottenham Stadium you yeah. know it is it's it's a big stadium it, it's probably more intimidating than the Emirates um, yeah. because of its you know I mean it is sad to say but it is a lot newer and more yeah. um, kind of grand but I don't see like I get you know Joe has hinted that Meadow Park is kind of their comfort zone yeah but I don't they're, they're you know if they play their football there's no way that they're losing, you know, some of these matches. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And and, and I do think we'll see that um, a bit more going forwards, particularly with the Sky Sports deal. They'll want, they'll want the eyeballs. Um, got two questions left, so I'm going to throw the first one to you, Alex. Um, and it comes from Liam, who is at Liam uh, Twitter. <laughs> that's that's a very good username uh, with a 15 in <laughs> um, is Leah Volte's team in role in the team understated she's vital in midfield and she slotted seamlessly into central defence all while being an excellent ball progressor and so two footed so I like I think that among Arsenal fans her value is is quite well known but what about more widely do you think Leah Volte is is quite underrated Yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> I I don't think her name is known enough for her footballing, um, like on the pitch stuff. I think it goes completely under the radar, kind of like Kim Little. Um, they play a very similar role in, in that they, you know, they don't score. They don't, you know, they don't do uh, six goal hat tricks like Viv does. They don't assist um, as much, but they play those that crucial role to connect. Um, you know, we, we do know that Joe Montemurro-style play likes to play out the back. So when you have, you know, the two centre-backs drop in so deeply, the only reason why this style of play works is because you have someone like Leo Walty and Kim Little who drop. Um, and Leo Walty, it's usually, it usually is with Leo Walty who receives that ball in that gap, gets it, keeps possession, turns a 1v1, um, on whatever midfielder is on her and she distributes to let to start the attack. Um, I think that role is is really important um, for a team that likes to keep possession. Mm. I think her her distributing, her carrying the ball, her ability to shield the ball and take on 1v1s like no problem whatsoever. But also uh, like you know apart from that attacking instance, her defensive qualities are really good as well. No, she's she's good for a tackle. She's good for a header, um, and she makes Leah Williamson's and you know whatever centre back is there. Their life is so much easier because someone like Leah Walty is there. Um, so I, I definitely do think that her role in the Arsenal team in particular is is really really important to the 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 way that they want to play. And when you see you know when you see that especially now in, in centre back role, you kind of see her strong quality. You know she's not she's not a Leah Williamson who gets the ball and carries it as forward uh, as that, you know, she gets the ball from it and she distributes so well. Um, mm. And I think that's, I think that's her biggest quality, especially, you know, I think um, she's left foot, right foot, you know, whatever you want um, all around player, I think really underrated worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to bring up the, the snake <laughs> <Snake-ups>. nickname. <laughs> Which uh, is her uh, beloved nickname among the players. There are two things I, I just want to say about Leah Volte. First of all, with the Snake Hips nickname. Well, so first off, she, even though she's right footed, she's played more left footed passes this season than right footed. That is how uh-huh. two footed she is. And uh, she puts this down to um, she used to obviously she grew up in Switzerland, lots of ice and snow. So she did a lot of ice skating when she was younger and she puts her, her balance and her ability to slalom down um, to ice skating and figure skating. And you can really see that on the pitch with yeah. the way she moves. Now that um, you said that, that makes so much sense. It really does. Doesn't it? Once you know that you're like, yeah, you do, you do kind of look like a figure skater there. Yeah. Um, 
Final question. I'm going to throw this one over to you, Pippa. We've talked a little bit about um, managerial candidates, and I think we've all concluded that we really don't know. <laughs> and, and I think Arsenal don't know at the moment. So I think that's kind yeah. of all right. But George Thurley, who is at George Oliver 22 on Twitter, says, what about Casey Stoney as a replacement for Joe? <laughs> Do you think that A, she would be good and B, that she'd be willing to leave Manchester United? Well, oh, my laugh says it all because, A, yeah, I think she'll be definitely good. We've seen that, what she's done with Manchester United, who's pretty much a newly formed team. But B, I think she's so far into her project. And I, I, from what I see, I feel like she's enjoying her team and her progress so much that why would she want to leave? And they're, they're in a good position and she's done incredibly well with them as well. Um, I think she'll be outstanding from what I've seen because when I first heard that, Casey Stoney, forgive me for this, that she was going to be a manager for Man United. I was thinking, really? Like, what type of experience? Like, what? Mm. You know, Man United are a big club, even though the, the women's team were non-existent. It's a big, you know, parent club to, to form a women's team. And I was thinking, that's that's gigantic shoes for Casey Stoney to fill. But she's, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's thought that. She silenced pretty much every critic for what she's achieved. So for her to move, I know it'll be sentimental value once again, having someone like Casey Stoney at Arsenal, because yes, she was at Arsenal, but does that mean she should go back and manage them? I think she's very happy where she is. Yeah, I, I can't see her leaving Man U, particularly at this stage of, the, of their project. She actually did, you know, she was player manager at Chelsea when she was 27. Um, yeah. Some uh, Yeah, in like 2009. It was only for about half a season, but she stepped in as player manager and Chelsea offered her the role full time really? because their women's team was broke at that time and they were close to folding. And, you know, you, do you know who wrote them a check to save them? John Terry. Really? John Terry you know, wrote mad. a check. <laughs> Eni Aluko told me that. I should have known that. Eni told me that recently. Yep. Yep. John Definitely. Terry in, in 2009, John Terry took money out of his own personal mm-hmm. account to, um, to keep, to keep the, uh, the women's team going. And Casey handed over the manager to um, Matt Beard, I think. Alex, sorry, mm-hmm. you were going to come in there. It was, yeah, at, at, the, um, at Casey's last press conference, um, someone was about to ask for a question. I think it was Emma Sanders. And before I think the question was even asked, she was like, no, I'm not going to Arsenal. Really? <laughs> you know, she was, you know, she, she got that out of the way real quick. Um, she probably knew that, you know, she was probably going to be linked to the job and a lot of questions were going to be asked. Um, so she got that right out of the way at the beginning of the press conference. You know, I think, yeah, I think what Pippa said is spot on. I think, I think she's too invested in Manchester United at the moment. And, you know, the progress that they have, you know, they've gotten so close to a Champions League spot this season. You know, that's only going to leave a bitter taste in, in Casey Stoney's, um, you know, just career if she leaves now. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think, yeah, Casey Stoney, I mean, she would be probably one of the most perfect fitting managers for Arsenal at the moment. Um, you know, we've seen what she can do with, you know, non-big, um, you know, Sam Kerr, Pernille Harder sightings. You know, obviously she has Tobin and Kristen, but, you know, Tobin and Kristen slotted, you know, she didn't change anything when they came in. Um, so I think Casey, the way she manages would be kind of perfect for, for the, to kind of take over from from Joe and that style of play. But yeah, she she instantly denied it. So yeah. there's there's that's a dead end. Yeah, I, I definitely don't see that at this at this stage of her career. Um, but 
obviously we will wait with bated breath to see who the new manager is and i'm i'm going to be working overtime to try and find out who they're talking to um etc etc but we better leave it there for the oh sorry pippa you were gonna you look like you're about to say something go for it i just had a a thought do you think it'll be someone that's already involved at arsenal like you know maybe a motorcycle or someone like that or no i i can't see it um yeah personally um there, there's no like on the women's side because i imagine aaron dantino who is the assistant he won't want mm. it i don't think he's a video analyst i think he'll go with joe anyway he also has family in australia so i, I don't know but i think he'll probably go as well so that it's weird because in the past there's been like a laura harvey there emma hayes was on the staff at arsenal and she left because yeah. she didn't get a, didn't get a chance i don't see that this time i think it will just be an applicant and um, okay. it will be an applicant that that potentially impresses them, but we'll see. And um, you know, uh, I'll be on WhatsApp if I find out anything different, Pippa. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know if I find anything out. But we better leave it there uh, for this month. Thank you so much for all of your questions. Um, really, really great questions. Really great discussion. Thanks again to my guest, Pippa, who you can find on Twitter at Pippa Monique. Pippa, thanks very much. Thank you as always. And Alex, I'm going to let you say your surname uh, so that I don't butcher it again. Um, Alex, take it away with where people can find you on Twitter. It's at Alex Ibaceta23. Um, Ibaceta, okay. Yeah. Okay. Not the Ibaceta, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, so it's, I, it's, you know what? I've accepted it. It's a very common pronunciation <laughs> um, because I think, yeah, I think most people don't know whether to do the Spanish pronunciation or kind of the Italian sounding hard chair but you know what i've accepted it i'm okay with it yeah yeah indeed indeed okay thank you very much uh, alex and pippa and we'll be back with another one of these mailbag episodes uh, next month probably after the season's over actually because it ends in less than a month so we'll probably do yeah. a bit of an end of season round table but until then thanks so much hope you enjoyed the episode and we will catch you next time on the arsenal women ask us deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.